You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another Analytics Tuesday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. On today's episode, we're taking a look at the analytics from the Saints' super wild card win over the Chicago Bears. We'll talk about some of the advanced statistics for some individuals, including Deontay Harris's yes, good, very great day. Then we'll take a look at the team in comparison to the rest of the wild card bunch and break down why they should be considered one of the best teams left in the playoffs despite finishing with a DVOA among the bottom. But first, We're going to do something a little bit different here on the show. Let's start off today's show with some betting. We're going to talk odds. We're going to talk Vegas lines, all of that, because using Vegas lines and odds as analytical tools is honestly one of my favorite things. So let's check it out here on today's show. How often do the Saints win when they're favored by less than five points like they are going up against Tampa next week? What's the recent over under history between the Saints and Bucks? And how well do teams fare when facing the same team a third time? After sweeping that team in the regular season series, we're going to discuss all of this and more. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the Locked On NFL National Podcast. We got all that and a little bit of lanyap for you on today's episode of Locked On Saints, your team every day. All right, y'all, a little something new here on Locked on Saints. This is all thanks to our good friends, of course, over at betonline.ag. We're going to have a new segment talking a little bit once a week about the bets, the lines, things, at least once a week, right? We'll see how lines move and things like that. I'm looking for names for this. Buy you bets. Let the good bets roll. The bet buffet were all ones that came to mind for me. Bet buffet, of course, because as a child, I spent a lot of time over at the Boomtown Buffet particularly on the 1st and 15th, if you know, you know. So it was a lot easier to uh, come up with those things. But you might have something a little bit better. So it'll be whatever the name that we all choose together for this segment. And it's all a part of, and thanks to betonline.ag, of course, our exclusive betting partner. So let's go ahead and roll into this. Uh, If you're not familiar with betting, first of all, I want to let you know that's 100% okay. I'm going to define a couple of phrases that you're going to hear me say throughout this segment. For those of you that are familiar with betting, it'll be kind of a little bit of a review. And then I'll tell you why this is important, even if you don't bet. So let's start off with a couple of phrases that you're going to hear me use. Uh, Spread is definitely going to be a big one. So the spread or the line. So this is a negative number, if it's negative, that shows who is favored for uh, the matchup. So the negative number shows the points that the favorite team is expected to win by. So for instance, the Saints are favored minus three or have a three-point spread heading into this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so because of that, they are expected to win by three points. Straight up is another one that you're going to hear me say. It's exactly what it sounds like. You either win or you lose the game straight up in terms of who gets a notch in the win or loss column. However, you're also going to hear me talk about covering or going against the spread. Those two aren't the same thing, but they are related. Covering can effectively go a couple of different ways. The the first thing that you're going to hear when you're talking about covering is that if the team wins, so let's say that the Saints win this weekend and they win by more than the point spread, more than three points, then they have covered and therefore get a win against the spread. But the Buccaneers can also get a win against the spread, even in a loss, if they lose by less than the amount of points that the Saints are favored by. So if they were to lose by two points or lose by one point, they would get a straight up loss in their win-loss column and be eliminated from the playoffs, of course, but 
Vegas wise, they would get a win against the spread. So you can bet on all of those things individually. The other thing and last thing you're going to hear us talk about today is over under. This one is really simple. It's just the expectation of the combined points scored by both team. And you either pick if they're going to score more or less than that amount. So you're picking over or under that number. So now, even if you're not a gambler, this is still a really useful tool in terms of examining the expectations of individual matchups and how teams perform around them. So think about it as another way to look at the league through a historical context, because we can go back many, many years and look at it through this lens and see how teams perform when they're favored by more than 10 points, when they're favored by less than five points, when they're underdogs. We can see how they operate under those expectations and in that environment and either make educated bets based off of the history and the trends or just have it used as another way to analyze the matchup before we walk in. That's what we're doing on the, today's show and in this segment. So let's get into the meat of this. We'll start off with the spread. The Saints favored minus three against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so they're expected to win by three points. Let's expand that out a little bit so that we can get the, a, a sort of a larger sample size. Let's go back to 2017, which is where I think we can all agree this current Saints culture, current Saints rhythm really comes from, and then see how they performed against the Bucs when they've been favored by five or fewer points. So close games in that instance, including, of course, being an underdog. So this has actually happened four times since 2017, where the Saints have been favored by five or fewer points or have been an underdog in the up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All four of those games have happened over the last two seasons, both games in 2019, both games in 2020. Over those four games, the Saints are 4-0 straight up. So they've won all four of those games and they've covered in all four of those games as well, covering in every one of those matchups, including what was the smallest margin of victory, which was the seven-point win over the Bucks to open up this 2020 season, 31 to 24. So they've also scored 31 or more points in each of those matchups with margins of victory of seven, which we just talked about, 11, 17, and of course, famously, 35 as underdogs on the road in Tampa. So since 2006, if we open up a little bit more against the Bucks, the Saints are also 11 and four and covered in all 11 of those wins when they're favored by five or fewer points or the underdog going up against Tampa. And by the way, out of those games that have been played at home, the Saints have only lost once. That was back in 2007. Now, on the other hand, this is interesting. When the Saints are favored by more than five points against the Bucks, they're seven and six. So they've actually performed worse when they're heavier favorites than when the games are expected to be tight. So something to keep in mind for this weekend. They're also 21 and nine against all opponents since 2017 when favored by five or fewer points or underdogs covering in every single one of their wins. So if you're a better choosing the Saints to win, you're probably looking at them to you're probably going to give them the points as well. Now, let's look at over under the over under for this game is set to 52 points. It's the again, the, the combined amount expected between the two teams since 2006 against Tampa Bay Bucks. They've gone over nine times and under six times. But more importantly, when the over under is set at 50 or more points, They've actually come in under eight out of 11 times since 2006 have the Saints. So something to keep in mind there. And by the way, the Saints are actually nine and two when the games are expected to be high scoring like that. A 50 point over under in the NFL is expected to be a high scoring game. They perform well in those expectations. Now, finally, this is going to be a big talking point all throughout the week. It's tough to beat a team a third time. In games where teams are facing each other for the third time after a regular season sweep, the winners of the regular season series matchups are 14 and 7 against the losers. It's a 66% win percentage. Maybe it's not that hard after all. 
All right, y'all. So that is our bet analytics, I guess you could say, in terms of looking at uh, how the Saints operate under these Vegas expectations. So uh, I had a lot of fun doing this. I hope that you enjoyed it. We'll try to do this once a week with other things too. We'll have prop bets. We'll have draft picks, things like that to take a look at as well all throughout. So we'll be able to continue to do this all throughout even the off season. So excited to bring that to you and a big thank you to our friends over at betonline.ag and making all of this happen. Coming up next, we're going to get into some of the other analytics, including individual performances. Deontay Harris had a great day, but how did it rank amongst the other receivers around the NFL? I'll tell you where he was at the very top of the list over Super Wildcard Weekend. We'll get to that here in just a moment. But if you found any of this information helpful and you're somebody that does like to bet, I'm going to let you know that the best place to do that is over at our good friends, betonline.ag, the official betting partner here at the Locked On Podcast Network and no place that we trust more than betonline.ag. So go and check them out. And don't forget to use the promo code Locked On when you get there for a 50% welcome bonus. Saints are favored minus three. The Saints have a 52 over under for this game. And then you heard all the trends, everything that the Saints have been able to do under those conditions. So go and check them out. BetOnline.ag. If you don't like betting on the Saints, you don't want to bet on your favorite team, you can bet on anything else that's happening around the sports world and beyond at BetOnline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive that 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, family, don't forget to check out our good friends over at Locked On Bets, the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get the daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. All right, so let's jump into our analytics Tuesday. We're going to take a look at a couple of individual performances. There was one I was very excited to get to this week. And it's it's Deontay Harris, yes, but it's also Caesar Ruiz. Remember, we talked about how Caesar Ruiz struggled in the Week Eight matchup between the Saints and the Bears, allowing eight total pressures in that game. And we thought, hey, coming into this game, he's gonna be taking on Akeem Hicks again, a good interior defensive line. We'll be able to see is sort of an evaluation over continuity because he's going up against the same opponent in the same season at a later time. How did he fare? in this game. Well, to give you an idea, the Saints offensive line as a whole fared a lot better than I thought that they did. Uh, I thought that the Saints interior struggled a bit more than I guess I realized. Maybe I'm also compounding run and pass blocking where like the run blocking in the interior line wasn't great. That's why Alvin Kamara had like, you know, 70 or something yards over on the outside as opposed to where, you know, in the middle and the inside zone, the split zones that we talked about previewing this game. But one of the players that performed extremely well in this game in terms of the number of pressures allowed, we're going to leave alone pro football focus grades where he was a 36.1, Cesar Ruiz was, but he took a big hit because of run blocking in that in that equation. But in terms of the number of pressures that he's credited as allowing, one, a single one. Now, it was a hit on the quarterback. We don't like that, but it was one single pressure allowed. So you can see a little bit of progress in Cesar Ruiz. I'm not saying that he's, you know, an all pro now or anything like that. He might struggle. He definitely would struggle going up against the Rams, let's say. Uh, but he is somebody that we can see some measurable now progress from, considering the fact that he faced the same opponent twice in the same season, performed better the second time than the first time. The Saints' entire offensive line credited with fewer pressures than Cesar Ruiz gave up in the Chicago game in week eight. 
only seven total pressures credited to the Saints offensive line in this game. And of course, that does not include um, a couple of different pressures that they credit to the quarterback, for instance, like let's say um, Taysom Hill sack. Taysom Hill sack is technically credited against him. And there are uh, an adi- there's an additional pressure also that's not credited to uh, any offensive lineman that Drew Brees also took on. Drew Brees, four of eight under pressure, completion percentage of 50%, obviously, including a touchdown in 30 yards. We're going to talk about quarterbacks' ability to manage themselves under pressure quite a bit because you saw Drew Brees there with the 50% completion percentage and a touchdown. But you look at uh, Tom Brady, for instance, who the Saints are going to be going up against next week under those 14 dropbacks that he was under pressure going up against the Washington football team. He was five of 11 in that, but for 116 yards. Uh, and then had three throwaways during that time. So his NFL passer rating of 83.9 is less than that of Drew Brees' 99.0 in this week. So that's going to be a big thing coming up in the next matchup. But I do want to stick with the Saints and Bears matchup for just a little while longer because I want to talk about Deontay Harris. Deontay Harris came into this game, and as we talked about, he caught uh, seven passes for 83 yards. He was the leading receiver for the Saints. The thing about that is that he played only uh, 24 total snaps in this game. So he barely was on the field for the Saints offense, less than 50%. The Saints, I'm I'm sorry, Deontay Harris actually led the NFL in the Super Wildcard weekend with 5.93 yards per route run. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, he only had seven targets. That's a, you know, that's, that's less. And yes, it is less than, let's say, 18 targets from Juju Smith-Schuster, but it's only one fewer then let's see, uh, my uh, AJ Brown, uh, Cooper Cup, and Stefan Diggs all had as well. So it's not that far off. So his seven receptions on those routes that he ran, which is actually only 14 receiving plays that he was on the field for, right? We talked about 24 of them. He was on the field for only 14 of those as receiving snaps. That ends up being 5.93 yards per route run, a very productive day for Deontay Harris, and the most productive of wildcard weekend uh, for certain. Now, there are certainly some examples that are beyond that throughout the rest of the season. Uh, We had one just a a week ago where Mike Evans was targeted four times, averaged 5.75. So he was right around there. Gabriel Davis ran three routes, 6.29, ran four routes by Tim Patrick at week 17, 6.57. But still, for seven routes and seven targets, or 14 routes, seven targets and seven catches, that 5.93 is a massive, uh, massive day of production uh, for a wide receiver. So shout out to Deontay Harris for coming back and being the guy that we're talking about, as opposed to him coming back in the same week as guys like Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. We're not talking about them as much. We're talking about Deontay Harris, seven catches, 83 yards, no touchdown, but still uh, a big, big time playmaker for the Saints during this game. And obviously the Saints will want to maintain that. But one of the things you're also going to want to maintain over on the back end is going to be over on the defensive side, at least, is the back end and the coverage over there. Uh, the Saints very, very good in coverage during this game. Uh, some some highlights to sort of point out. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who was targeted five times, allowed only three catches for 26 yards. He had two pass breakups as well. Uh, or he's credited with two pass breakups as well. So the two incompletions that were there were incompletions that he forced, not just ones that happened because the ball was overthrown or the ball was not caught or dropped or whatever. None of that. Simply, he disrupted that. Uh, 73.8 passer rating when targeted. Janoris Jenkins had a little bit of a tougher day, uh, allowed six catches on nine targets, only 66%, however, 
uh, but only 24 yards after catch, but 77 yards in total and a long of 28. He did have himself a pass breakup as well, 93.3%, or excuse me, 93.3 passer rating when targeted. CJ Gardner Johnson, five catches allowed, sorry, four catches allowed on five targets, only 35 yards, however, uh, and he did get called for a penalty that was declined. And then Malcolm Jenkins played a great game here. In terms of what you're going to see on the stat sheet, just one reception allowed on two targets for just three, excuse me, just one yard, three after the catch. So it was thrown behind the yard, the line of scrimmage. And then he was able to make that stop a 56.3 NFL passer rating when targeted. But you can look through his game and find moments to where he was just absolutely outstanding and took away options. Same thing for Marcus Williams, came right back into the fold, did allow two catches on two targets, but only 14 yards on that with a long of eight. So he was very active and uh, obviously played very well within the 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, which you don't usually see from Marcus Williams, but he came up, made some good tackles, made some early stops, and didn't really look like he missed a beat at all coming into this one. I do want to give a quick shout out that uh, for Caden Ellis, who actually played uh, more snaps in this game than Zach Bond. Zach Bond had just one snap. Caden Ellis, toward the end of the game, did get to come in. He had six pass rushing snaps, no pressures during that time, but it was cool to see Caden come in. Obviously, friend of the podcast. We like him a lot here. So to see him be able to get in on some playoff action and rush the passer during that uh, 99-yard drive uh, at the end of the game. And that 99-yard drive is something that really, really shifts the numbers and the analytics out of the Saints' favor. We're going to talk about that drive specifically. We're going to talk about why it happened. We're going to talk about why it shouldn't matter. We're going to talk about how harmful it is that it does matter in terms of looking at the Saints' very productive day over on the defensive side and how it's spoiled because of how much value we still give drives at the end of games in garbage time. So we'll have that coming for you next year on Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And while we're on the topic of repairing the way that we look at things from the NFL perspective, I have always been somebody that has been terrible at repairing cars up until now, thanks to our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, one of my favorite sponsors that we have here because of how much they have helped me out in the past. Y'all know the tailgate story. I've gone back to them for batteries, for floor mats, for windshield wipers, for everything. And they're great. And if you need things that are even more complicated than that, like engine control modules, they've got you covered as well. And the great thing is that you can have it covered from your home, right? From the couch. You just jump onto the website, pick your make, pick your model, pick your year, and then figure out the part that you need. And then you're going to get several different options at a fraction of the price that you know, you would get at the, the the store on the corner that you can't even get to because you can't drive your car there in the first place. So get it shipped to you right away with rockauto.com. And don't forget to write locked on in the how'd you hear about a section to let them know that we sent you. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Rockauto.com. Let's get it. Family wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints. And look, for some NFL teams, the games may be over, but it's still just the beginning. If you're interested, you can go and join Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak over at the Locked on NFL Draft podcast every Tuesday as they start their team takeover Tuesday offseason series. Each week, they pick a new team, take a deep dive into the potential front office, 
uh, moves that they could have, the head coach signings, roster reviews, free agent strategies, and go through a team-centric mock draft as well. That's every Tuesday over at Locked On NFL Draft. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. All right, so we wanted to wrap up today by taking a little bit of a more overviewing arch and more uh, sort of wider focus at analytics for this game, and particularly uh, the Super Wildcard Weekend and how the Saints factored into all of this. So this is a really interesting thing that I saw over at uh, Football Outsiders. You know how much I love DVOA and things like that. We'll re-explain DVOA here in just a moment, but I want to take a look at where the Saints finished amongst the 12 wildcard, or excuse me, super wildcard opponents that played throughout uh, this weekend and talk about where they should have finished instead of where they did finish. And I want to commend, of course, Football Outsiders for acknowledging this And this is something that they want to fix moving forward within their formulas because garbage time touchdowns are kind of a big deal in terms of how they affect the way that teams teams and their standing within the analytic uh, viewpoint. Uh, Sometimes it can be a little bit unfair. We have to keep in mind that Mitch Trubisky, before the 99-yard drive at the end of the game, had 100 yards passing up until that final minute, final minute, final two minutes of the game. And, you know, he finished with 199 yards. Like, I'm not exaggerating. He finished with 199 yards. That was a 99-yard drive, all passing. He would have finished with 100 yards. Uh, The other part of it is that, you know, you look at the 239 yards that the Saints allowed total offense, subtract 99 yards from that, and all of a sudden this game looks a lot different when you talk about 149 yards for, or 100, what would it be, actually 140 yards during that time. So, I mean, you have to sort of take this all at the moment with a grain of salt, but the thing that I like about analytics is that it continues to evolve, it continues to change, and it continues to shift, which is one of my favorite things about it. That's why I look at both analytics and film because I think they inform one another as opposed to looking at things without one or the other without context, if that makes sense. Okay, that's my rant, but now let's get down to business. So we're going to take a look at DVOA, Football Outsiders. This is a great metric that I really like because basically what it does is that it measures successful plays achieved either on offense or that are allowed by a defense against the league average. So the success of a play is measured differently depending upon a game situation. For example, a two-yard run on first and 10 is weighted a lot less than a two-yard run on third and one that results in a first down. So one of those would be considered a more successful play than the other, even though they're technically both just two-yard runs. But because one of them happened in a game situation that results in a first down, on a third down, it's weighted a bit differently. So on offense, you want to achieve a positive percentage, meaning that you have achieved above the league average of successful plays, which adjusts to 0%. 0% is always sort of the readjustment or weighted league average. So you want to be above that on offense. However, on defense, you want negative numbers. You want to be below that because you want to allow less than the league average when it comes to those successful plays. So The reason why I'm defining this is because there's a big difference between where the Saints actually do finish with all 60 minutes of this game accounted for despite the garbage time drive and touchdown versus where they would have finished had that garbage time touchdown at the end or garbage time drive at the end either not been weighted as heavily as every other play across the rest of the game or had it not been accounted for at all, which is an adjustment that Football Outsiders is looking at for next season. So let's take a look at this. First of all, we should talk about the actual drive itself, right? As like we said, it's 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 about context, it's about using analytics and film together. So let's do that. Let's use both. Um, in that drive, the Saints allowed several completions in a row, all of which, you know, four first downs during that drive. It was a 99-yard drive down the way. 
the Saints were playing this defense that just left the middle of the field wide open, that was more concerned with protecting against deep passes. It was prevent defense. They sent five, six blitzers uh, on, or five or six players, including one or two blitzers on each one of those plays, generally five, Caden Ellis. And then they just allowed completions to happen and tried to make tackles and bounds. And then it ended up resulting in, as these drives so often do, a literal last second touchdown. In this case, Jimmy Graham snatching the ball out of the air with one hand, looking all vintage New Orleans Saints Jimmy there before running out of the tunnel. So if we take into account that last drive, the Saints finish in terms of DVOA with a minus 14 total. Now, when you talk about totals, even with an opponent adjustment, you're talking about wanting to be in the positive. They usually flip that negative on defense and then combine all of those together and then give or take one or 2%. And then that ends up being what your total is. So for the Saints, they finished minus 14. That's the third worst team in the NFL when it came to Super Wild Card Weekend behind only or ahead of only rather the Tennessee Titans who were atrocious and the Pittsburgh Steelers who were also atrocious and finished with a minus 33 total on their end, allowing a 32% mark over on the defensive side. So now let's look at this phase by phase for the Saints. Offense, minus four, not great. Not a lot that you could say about that either. I mean, they had the slow start at the beginning. They had the, uh, the, the fumble turnover by Taysom Hill, so on and so forth. So not a big argument that you can put in place for them to adjust anything over on offense because the Saints offense was not that great in this game. They had nice moments, particularly in the second half and things got into rhythm, but the first half is going to weigh them down quite a bit. Um, 2%, so plus 2% when it comes to defense, meaning they, that they allowed 2% above the average when it came to successful plays. And then special teams minus 8%. They were hurting special teams in this one. Not, not, no real great recover or returns or anything like that. And then one big return by uh, Cordero Patterson, all of that, that definitely ended up hurting them. However, According to Football Outsiders, if you take out the garbage time drive, the 99-yard touchdown drive at the very end of the game, the Saints' defensive rating for this game would have been minus 37%. Minus 37% would have made them the second best defense in terms, or excuse me, the third best defense in terms of DVOA in the, the Super Wildcard weekend behind Baltimore and LA, who both absolutely balled out. And they would have only been 7% behind the LA Rams. So this is a big deal, right? When you look at the way that the final numbers show versus if you take away that last drive and see how the Saints actually played when they were playing defense, minus 37% is huge. And on top of that, if you add all of this together to gain their new total, it puts them at a plus 26 or 25%, which would make them tied with the Washington football team as the fourth best team in Super Wild Card Weekend effectively making them the third best team that remains in the playoffs at this time behind only Buffalo and Cleveland. Cleveland with a wild 76% because they were just incredible up against the Steelers. So this is why I'm bringing this up and this is why I wanted to look at it because the Saints defense performed better than the metrics are showing at the end of the day. Now there's a lot of value in being critical of the Saints over the that last drive. I, I do get it. I completely get it because there's the confidence, there's the mojo, there's the motivation, there's there's all that other stuff that kind of goes along with, yeah, we didn't finish that game out, you know, like if you're a player thinking we didn't finish that game out the way that we should have, right? Because a 21 to 3 victory looks different than a 21 to 9 victory slightly. A 28 to 3 victory would have been phenomenal had the Saints been able to score on that last drive. But, you know, say la vie, such is life. So, unfortunately, that wasn't able to work out. But I just want to point that out that the Saints defense, as much credit as we're giving it, if you see any of these numbers that show, hey, the Saints defense didn't actually look as good as it did 
Don't forget to adjust for a 99-yard touchdown drive in garbage time that the Saints didn't actually play defense for and had you know a few backups out on the field for. Like, Don't forget to adjust for that. And this is just a good display. And shout out to Football Outsiders for making that adjustment apparent in their evaluation and essentially saying that they are going to fix that going into next year. This is what I love about analytics. They continue to evolve. They continue to adjust. Using them combined with film and context, I think is, I, I think, my favorite way to go about talking about the game. And speaking of film, we'll get to that tomorrow, as well as your questions from the Locked on Saints Facebook group and Twitter for our Wednesday mailbag and our Film Watch Wednesday. We'll break down three impactful plays. You can follow along with Game Pass if you've got a Game Pass subscription, or you can just listen along and listen to us break down some plays and have some fun. And then, of course, get your questions in over at the Locked on Saints Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints, or you can shoot me a DM over at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. As always, y'all, I appreciate you for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you're mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.